your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, hockey fans, happy Monday. You're listening to Locked On NHL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you get 15% off your next order. My name is Sarah Avampato, host of Locked On Kings, host of a few days of the week on this here show, Locked On NHL. And uh, this Monday, as I do every Monday, I am bringing you some of the latest, greatest stories from across the league, featuring our great hosts here at Locked On. First up, we have a little bit of a special treat from Locked On Red Wings as they talk to a gentleman who needs no introduction, but who will get one anyway. Uh, the fine folks over at Lockdown Red Wings got to talk to Gary Thorne with all of the publicity around the NHL returning to ESPN. And the team over there managed to get Gary Thorne on their show. And it's a really great interview. And so we have a clip of that uh, on today's show we're going to start things out with that. I also have on the show J.D. Young from Locked on Sharks as he explains to us exactly what has gone wrong for the San Jose Sharks this season. We close with Mike DiStefano of Locked on Leafs, who gives us all the details on the Leafs goaltending controversy and what they need to do to stay ahead of the rest of the pack up in the North Division. That is today's show for you. So we're going to start things out right now with Locked on Red Wings and Gary Thorne. Obviously, with the NHL coming back to ESPN, your name's been a pretty hot topic lately. I've heard you uh, on the Cam and Strick podcast. I saw you getting quoted by Richard Dice from The Athletic. You said you would like to come back and call hockey again. I, th- I think a lot of people probably would have expected that. Um, but obviously, a lot of that's far away. You don't know what's going to happen. What do you miss most about hockey, though? What do you miss most about going to the rink and, and calling games and preparing for games and getting to know the guys in the locker room? Yes. <laughs> just one no you said them all oh, oh, oh. you said them all you went to the list that's the laundry list and that's what uh, for all sports for me uh it's not just doing the games i mean ultimately that's that's what matters most but it's the relationship to build up the chance to be around players uh, have a few yucks uh, tell some stories have a beer once in a while i mean that's the kind of stuff that makes it worthwhile that that's really enjoyable and i miss I miss all of that, but I certainly miss the games. Uh, I love the games. You know, we're talking about hockey. I love hockey. I, and I will always especially miss the Stanley Cup playoffs. I've maintained through all the sports that I've ever done, uh, there is nothing that equals the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's the whole run. It's not just the finals. The whole run of the Stanley Cup playoffs, is, as you guys know, as hockey fans, is all about the last man standing. It's an arduous two and a half months. It is a true second season. Uh, there's nothing like that in any other sport. And the intensity of every single game for two and a half months defies logic and defies the fact that humans should be able to do what they do in that two and a half month period. So I really miss, I love that. I loved watching that. Uh, to me, sports, sports is about watching those who can do in the games the things that you and I can't do and that very few people can. You're seeing the best exceptional athletes performing against other exceptional athletes. I mean, that's what, to me, that's what professional sports is. And uh, to see that in hockey during that playoff period is really a treat. 
Well, you bring up fighting, and one thing we obviously have to talk about is March 26, 1997, the Detroit Red Wings, the Colorado Avalanche. The Red Wings need their revenge. You So when this all starts going down, you say this had to happen, and it did, and it was a different game back then, and, and maybe that's not something that would need to happen now, but back then it did. What do you remember about going to the rink that night, and, and I guess what was your favorite part of covering that seven-year war as a whole? I mean, you had it from start to finish. Well, it was, it was fierce. I mean, it was genuinely fierce. These were two teams with players who did not like one another. They weren't friends off the ice and they sure as hell weren't friends on the ice. And there were some personal animosities towards individual players. I think of Claude Lemieux and the, how much Detroit just found him despicable. And I like Claude, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that the way he played, how he played, and especially against them, had created a tension that was going to explode. It had to. Uh, my favorite part may have been Os- Osgood and Wah <laughs> skating out to center ice, fully uh, fully dressed during the game and uh, deciding to go at it themselves. They had chatted back and forth, each of them in their own net, as as that game had started and as it was going on. And then when the all hell broke loose. They were hollering at mother, still in their individual nets, and then just just both skated out. And it was, I mean, they came right to center ice. I think they literally, if you look at the video, they were on the faceoff dot at center. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, going at one another as best you can when you got ninety pounds of equipment on. Uh, I'll never, I'll never forget that. But over that whole thing, it was just, it was just how fierce the competition was, and the fact that you had so many great players on the ice at the same time. I mean, those teams were loaded with talent, both young and veteran. And so, I mean, when they went out there to play, you were really seeing the two best teams in the NHL going at one another. And when you combine that with the fact that they didn't like one another and that there were individual stimulants uh, in each game, I mean, you had a hell of a series. You were just waiting to see what was going to happen next. You, I don't think, I'm sure there are some fans who never sat down for any of those games in both buildings. I mean, it was just, that's the way it was. You knew it was coming and it was just a matter of what was going to trigger. Probably the greatest compliment I can give you is that it's very clear to me that you're, you're in the moment at all times. You don't ever plan anything. You don't ever, you know, really think about what you're going to say. You're my Uh, agent. I'm telling you, I'm telling you saying these things now. (laughs) Well, you do such a good job of like creating a a unique sound for each moment. And it, and it sounds in a way like you're powerless to your own reaction. Is there any way to describe how you feel in that moment or just the energy of, of kind of just blacking out and being like, Holy shit, here's what happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think powerless in my own reaction is probably true. Um, which is always the way I've wanted to do, uh, do games. Um, I have never, and again, there's nothing wrong with doing it in another way. I have never written a word down before or during a game where I was thinking to myself, this is what I'm going to say if this happens. I just, I can't do that. I don't want to do that because that takes away the spontaneity of the moment. I am a fan of sports. I am a fan of great plays and outstanding players. I want that to come through with a, with a natural, genuine reaction to what's going on in the game. And that the people hear that, that that's what comes through. And I thank you for saying that because clearly 
for some at least, that's what they've heard. And I hear that over and over again. And that makes me very happy because if there was anything I was striving to do in doing those games in any sport, that's what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a real good reaction where people knew this is real. It's not a put on. This is what he's feeling and he's sharing it with us. Thank you to Nolan and Ethan and Gary Thorne uh, for that great clip. If you want to hear more, which you certainly should do, go check out Locked on Red Wings, available wherever you get your podcasts, uh, so you can hear the whole interview with him. Uh, It's going to be a really great time, so go and check that out. There's more coming up after this as we talk to J.D. Young from Locked on Sharks. Get all the sports news you need today in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Next up, we're talking sharks. And I'll be honest, I apologize for the fact that it sounds like I'm talking into a tin can in this recording. You can save all of the tweets and the comments about, hey, why does it sound like Sarah's talking in a tin can? I know. I know. We had some technical difficulties, but as you can tell from the rest of the show today, uh, it's fixed now. But just uh, use your imagination and pretend it doesn't sound quite so uh, aluminum-y. All right. So uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about misery on this show, and we talked about some teams who were not having a lot of fun this season. And we're going to revisit that well this week uh, with the San Jose Sharks, who are not having a fun time this season. So I have one-third of Locked on Sharks here with me. I've got J.D. Young to talk about his bad team. Let's just look at it this way. What is the number one worst thing about your team right now? Uh, the fact that for some reason the fan base still has hope that they're going to make the playoffs and they oh, just no. are. Yes, they. Uh, <laughs> the fans, they just can't come to terms with another bad season. So, But uh, yeah, it, it's it's been... Like we knew that the Sharks were going to be bad going into the season. Like there was there was a pathway for them to make the playoffs if everything went right. You know, if the goaltending was somewhat near average-ish, even mediocre, um, there was maybe a path for the Sharks to make the playoffs. But uh, things have gone from bad to worse, and it just seems like uh, yeah, there there's no way for them to make the playoffs. And I think fans are start after this the weekend series against the Blues. I think the the fans are starting to realize like, oh yeah, they're not making it. Is this one of those things where it's like, is it just is it personnel? Is it coaching? Um, I, I know that a big part of it is the fact that Martin Jones has turned into a pumpkin, uh, but is it just a little bit of everything? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, they like you see guys like Couture and Kane and like uh they've been having a great you know great seasons as well um you know you see like mario ferraro who's really stepped up this season and he's been way uh you know kind of exceeded my expectations i thought he would be settled into like a nice kind of middle pair defenseman and he's been playing top um you know top pair defensive pairings with brent burns but yeah it's just they're they've lack any depth behind hurdle and couture at the center position it's been you know dylan gambrell has was playing second line uh, center when hurdle was out with covid you know the fourth line has been a mismatch of people you know whoever whoever they can find um curtis gabriel's been playing a lot it's just been you know a lot of weird coaching decisions of you know like let's play patrick marlowe on the second line instead of guys like john leonard or um, rudolph balsers just stuff like that where it's like the season's already gone wrong let's let's just try to see what we have in the future, but the coaching staff is still adamant on trying to win games right now and trying to make the playoffs. Do you think any of that comes from 
ownership also being very confused as to what their team is. I know because like the Ducks kind of have the same problem of the front office and the owners sort of seem to think that the Ducks are a playoff team, which everyone who has watched them knows like that is very false. Is it kind of the same in San Jose? Yeah, I mean, we finally got Doug Wilson to say the reset but, uh, word recently. We <laughs> haven't heard rebuild because God forbid. Uh, but we did hear reset, uh, I think, in the past week or so. Um, but, I mean, coaches, you know how that coaches are. Coaches are trying to win every game. That's mm-hmm. how they're bred. That's how, you know, they think. You know, and there's, there's just, I think there's that disconnect between what the team should do and what the team thinks that they should do. Um you know what they're they're thinking that we can you know quickly turn this around and there's a path for them you know if this this off season if they can you know be aggressive and do some stuff and you know get rid of some of these big contracts and then the team could potentially find its way back into the playoff mix next year you know if or if it's ready for the the team if they need to strip everything down and kind of restart the whole you know thing from the beginning cuz the the sharks they honestly haven't done that in 20 plus years now where they've gone through an actual rebuild. Is this kind of what you expected out of the season for it to be uh, not fun? Yeah, we, we kind of, I mean, I, I think I had a bold prediction that the Sharks would make the playoffs just because um, if you look at like the rest of the teams, like the wild and the Kings and the coyotes and the Sharks, they're all, we're going to be kind of in that middle. Um, and you would think if they could, you know, beat some of the bad teams and kind of play even with the good teams that they would be able to, work themselves into a playoff position. But um, I mean, we we've kind of quickly realized that the goaltending, even with, you know, Dubnik played solid in stretches, but just the goaltending is so bad where you, you just, you can't overcome that hurdle. I guess I'll ask the question, the elephant in the room, what happened to Martin Jones? How has he gotten so bad? I, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> you know, and like, you hear the defensive structure and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, no defense is going to play perfect all the time, right? Like you could have, you know, it, it doesn't matter who you have in front, but like you, when push comes to shove, sometimes you just have to make a save. That's what you do. And ever since he got paid, it just, I don't know if he was being propped up by maybe a better defense. And then now that there's that defense is no longer there or, if his athleticism is just uh, gone and he can't make, you know, the kind of the pushes and stuff that he used to be able to, um, it's just, it's been in decline. And I know he like spent the whole off season kind of work, reworking his game, but you just don't see the same results. In, in looking at the shark schedule, I mean, first off you play the Kings about 8,000 times. So yes. uh, we'll, we'll be uh, chatting more, I think in the near future. But like, what what do you expect out of the next couple of weeks uh, in in the world of the Sharks? And you know, are, are there any silver linings or any kind of light at the end of the tunnel aside from the season being over uh, that you can look forward to? I mean, you would hope that um, you know, because the the schedule does soften up here. I mean, they just played basically the Blues, Avs, Vegas <laughs> in a nonstop rotation for the past couple of weeks. Um, and now, I, like it's the Ducks, and we get—I think we have six games against the Coyotes left. Um, so the the schedule does soften up here. Um, so hopefully, we start to see some of the young guys. Um, Ryan Merkley maybe make his debut at, towards the end of the season. Um, guys like John Leonard, Rudolph Balsers, maybe Ivan Chekovich and Sasha Shemaleski, they can make a jump from the AHL and actually start seeing more than like six minutes of ice um, when they do play. So. 
that's what I'm hoping for, especially after the trade deadline when the Sharks can maybe sell off some of their some of their kind of guys like Nieto and some of the old guys who are aren't gonna be with the team anymore. And then try to, you know, just let these young kids play and see what you got. Which leads very nicely to kind of my my last question for you, which is what are you anticipating at the trade deadline? What who is going to be gone? What do you hope to get back for it? And do you trust your front office to get it right? I trust, we'll start with that. I trust Doug Wilson. Um, that guy knows how to grease a deal. So, um, you know, I, I think he will be able to to kind of sell off some assets and even, if, you know, whatever you can get at this point. So if it's draft picks or if it's maybe some prospects, um, you know, like when he traded for Darlene a couple of years ago from Vancouver, where maybe guys who are underrated aren't happy where they're, where they're at um, and hopefully let those guys turn around in San Jose. Uh, but I think the main guys, um, like Nieto is definitely gone. There's talks of Sorensen and Dubnik um, being out the door, especially with this year with the weird goaltending. I know Dubnik hasn't, he's played well in stretches, um, but, you know, with, with teams who are hurting for goalies, like if Colorado, I know they just made it a trade for for some like Johnson or something like that, some guy who's apparently really bad. But like uh, uh, if you, you know, if you can trade off Dubnik for anything, even if you have to eat some salary or, you know, I think whatever you can get at this point is it's all good. Well, it is a, not a pretty picture in San Jose, but it, it seems like the, there is some hope to look forward to in playing some of your kids uh, that will hopefully come up and get to, to show why they're the future of the Sharks. For people who want to hear more about what's going on with your team, who want to maybe scope out uh, some players that they could get at the trade deadline, where can they find your show? Uh, of course, uh, anywhere you can find podcasts, Locked on Sharks. You can also follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Locked on Sharks as well. Um, you can find me at my fry hole on Twitter. You can also find Kyle at Kyle Demetrius and Eric at Foulball15 uh where we are always having a good time and forever online boys thanks to jd for telling us uh, all the things that are wrong with the sharks we close things out with a look at the toronto maple leafs today but first let's talk built bar you of course have been hearing about built bars on this show on all of our locked on shows for a while now it's the best tasting protein bar on the market it is the amazing low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now it is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. That's right, it is Built Bar Madness because who doesn't love a good bracket in the month of March? Today's matchup is none other than Coconut versus Birthday Cake. That is today's matchup on the Built Bar bracket and listen, I actually just had the Birthday Cake flavor for the first time on Sunday. And if you've listened to me talk about Built Bars, you know the cookies and cream is my favorite flavor. Uh, The birthday cake is giving it a run for the money. It really is pretty delicious. You would never know that it is uh, actually something that's good for you. I'm actually sitting here looking at the package right now. The birthday cake version, 140 calories, 2.5 grams of fat. It really tastes like a candy bar and yet it's, uh, it's pretty decent for you. So that that is my choice. If I if I am voting on today's matchup here on the Built Bar Madness, the birthday cake 
birthday cake has it for me. You can go and uh, cast your own judgment on some Built Bars. Go to BuiltBar.com, check out the bracket, or find them on Twitter at Bar underscore Built. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And make sure you check back to see who's won today's matchup and who's going to become the best tasting protein bar. I also want to tell you about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is over, but college basketball, the NBA, and NHL are all in full swing. Even baseball is getting ready to come back. BetOnline also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, so they have you covered for everything you could need. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDON at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Also, you can get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. So from the misery of the San Jose Sharks to the potential misery, maybe, of the Toronto Maple Leafs as uh, they uh, have been having some interesting games lately. I We're going to talk today with Mike DiStefano of Locked on Leafs to find out what is going on in Toronto. And the first thing that I noticed when I looked at the standings was that uh, I had thought Toronto had a much bigger lead on the rest of their division uh, than they do right now. Uh, so can you kind of lay out what's going on up there and uh how the leafs lead evaporated yeah no like uh, this a few weeks ago toronto went on a tear they defeated the edmonton oilers in three straight games back-to-back shutouts allowed just one goal to that team to that edmonton team with Connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl one goal through three games um and then since then it has not gone over very well here in toronto uh, they've lost six of eight. Now they did win a game last night, but rolling into the game against the flames on Saturday, they had lost six of seven in regulation. It's only picking up two of a possible 14 points. And since that happened, Edmonton went on a bit of a roll. They've won seven of their last 10, uh, Winnipeg won a couple of games against Toronto to kind of shrink the lead a little bit. And now all of a sudden you take a look at the standings in the North division and Toronto doesn't have a double digit lead anymore. They're currently tied with Edmonton guaranteed. The Leafs do have two games in hand and, um, you know, Winnipeg, they're four points back, but they got a game in hand. Uh, so it's there's it's definitely not as uh, you, we can't quite go into cruise control as it looked like the Leafs were going to go into no more than what, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's funny how quickly things can change. I do know that one of the big issues that's coming out of Toronto, which I feel like is uh, something that pops up every year, uh, at least as long as I've been paying attention, is goaltending, which I think, you know, y'all thought that Freddie Anderson was going to be the answer. And now uh, he looks like he might have lost his uh, starters crease for now, at least to 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 Jack Campbell. Uh, so what what is happening? Is there really a goalie tr- controversy? Is this something that the media has made up or is this is this legit something that you guys need to worry about? Like, it depends who you ask. Like, it really does. There, there's there's a big section of the group that still believes that Freddie's the guy that doesn't think that Jack Campbell's ready just because, you know, there, it's it's a 
warranted debate because Jack Campbell hasn't been a starter before. So you can't quite sit here and anoint him your guy when Freddie is a proven starter. He's, he's having a down season. He hasn't played well since he returned from injury. And you look at Jack Campbell. Well, he went and shut out the flames last night after Freddie gave up some pretty brutal goals the night before on game one of the back-to-back. So, you know, you couple the fact that when Campbell's healthy, and that's kind of been a big issue with Campbell too, the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's only been able to play four games this year. Um, and people are already ready to give him the crease. I think he's earned a a run here. You know, I would give him a stretch, a little string of games and see what he's got. The problem is the Leafs don't play again until Thursday. So this was kind of a weird week where they played two games within 10 days. Uh, so it was like four days off, played two in a row, and then another four days off. So now it's like, okay, Freddie's going to be pretty well rested. He should have a chance to clear his head, maybe throw him back out there. When they play again on Thursday, throw Freddie out there. And hopefully, you know, he's had enough time to compose himself and he can get back to playing uh, to an all-star capable level, which he is capable of doing, but he just hasn't been that this year. And there's a lot of people, a large section of Leafs nation that is ready to move on from Freddie and give Jack Campbell an opportunity. Um, I'm going to be talking about this on my podcast on locked on Leafs because there are, you know, pros and cons on both sides to doing it. And uh, I, I don't know if, if either of them are the long-term answer here in Toronto, but there's certainly controversy, if you ask me. Is there something else that is kind of driving this uh, sort of failure to pick up points in these kind of crucial games for the Leafs? Is there something else that is just not working, right? Um, there's been a little bit of a pattern that was, that was occurring through a decent part of uh, that kind of losing streak where just a little, a little slow to start games. You know, they're going down early, uh, giving up a whole bunch of chances, a bunch of shots. Like if you take a look at those games, like on a night to night basis, although they lost six of seven, like they probably could have won five of those games or five, maybe even six of those games. If you like look at, at the, the, possession metrics and all that but freddie just consistently was out dueled in the crease by the goaltender on the other end because when that's happening and you're consistently chalking up these losses to well you ran into a hot goalie at some point your goaltender has to be that hot goalie that an opposing team runs into and he hasn't been that at all this year and i think that's why there's a lot of frustration to go back to the previous question you know when it comes to freddie anderson he's just not winning you games while we're going out here and seeing other teams, other goalies like Connor Hellebuck and Jacob Markstrom and Thatcher Demko come out and win games for their team. Freddie's just not doing that for, for the Maple Leafs. And they went on a bit of a, a, a stretch there where they played soup, like they played well, but they just weren't picking up the points. And a lot of it is because of the backbreaking goals that they're allowing that, that Anderson was allowing. We are getting close to the trade deadline, which seems like a crazy thing to say. I can't believe we're almost there, but uh, it is quickly approaching. Do you think the Leafs are going to make a move? Are they looking to, to bolster any position? Do you think it's going to be a quiet trade deadline? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know how much, you know, with you being down in the States, how much you guys are talking about this, but up in Canada, there's got to be a 14-day quarantine for anybody coming up here. So if we wanted to make a deal with with your with your Kings, whoever's coming over would have to wait 14 days before they could even step on the ice. So, you know, a lot of trades need to kind of be done sooner rather than later so that you can get them into your lineup 
as quick as possible for that final playoff run for that stretch, you know, as they get towards the end of the season. So um, I know up in Canada, it, it seems like there's a, some sense of urgency for teams to try and pull off deals as soon as possible. Of course, you need to have a partner to do that. And, and the American teams aren't as willing because they don't have 14 day quarantines that they're going to have to go through. They can kind of just take a couple of days and they get those players back in there. We saw that happen with Patrick Line, who was playing like three or four days after he got traded. Meanwhile, Dubois was sitting in a hotel for two weeks. So it's going to be interesting when you talk about, is it going to be quiet? And I think it comes down to how many players or how many teams are going to be willing to make a move and give up pieces, uh, knowing that there's they're not going to get that player and they're going to lose on a, a player if they make like a hockey deal for two weeks. And that's where you kind of got to, you know, the GMs are going to have to weigh the pros and the cons of making some sort of deal. When it comes to the Leafs, though, I think they do need to make a trade. I can see uh, there's some chatter about, you know, Kyle Dubas, the general manager, came out and spoke. Uh, if he had to say there was one position that they were kind of looking at more so is a top six forward, a top six winger. Um, right now, the the second line wing position next to Tavares and Nylander has kind of been a, a, a rotation of guys. And most recently, Alex Galchenyuk has been the player the past couple of days taking over that spot. And I mean, I, I don't think Galchenyuk is the answer there. Mm-hmm. So they're looking to try and shore up uh, another, you know, offensive player and, get another guy up in the top six who can score and provide some supplemental depth. Um, A name actually that has been tossed out a little bit is a guy who you're quite familiar with. And, and that's Alex. I follow. Have, have you heard anything about potentially the Kings uh, listening on offers to I follow? You know, I think that they, I think Rob Blake will listen to anyone who calls him uh, just to see what they've got. I I do think that I follow is kind of in their, not, not necessarily long-term plans, but medium range plans, but I could see the Kings doing kind of a handshake deal of, listen, we'll trade you at the deadline, come back to us in free agency and we'll sign Mm. you. Like I could see them doing that because he has been, you know, there's a lot of complaints. I feel like among the Kings world, because he's on the top line, he doesn't produce like a top line winger on an ideal team. You know, he's not going to be a top line player. He's going to just be a little more supplementary he's not you know an elite scoring forward but he has played so well with Andre Kopitar and has gotten so good at you know the same little details in the corners and everything that uh, that has made Kopitar successful that he every time they try to put someone else there it just doesn't work they don't have the same chemistry as they do so he's a player that I could see being traded but I also would not be surprised to see him come back to LA Um, it's been a really good fit for him Personally, he has a garage full of surfboards that he's made. So, you know, I don't, I, I feel like he wants to stay in, in California, but also um, nothing would surprise me that Rob Blake does uh, anymore, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think he'd be a good fit, right? I, I think Toronto is looking for somebody who can slot in, you know, and mm-hmm. just be a, a supplemental player who has a little bit of offense, but also a little bit of jam. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I follow can, can probably yeah. bring that and, and go and fight for the pucks in the corners mm-hmm. and get them out to the skill guys like Tavares and Nylander. Yeah. I think that's the way that it's being talked about and dreamt about, but we'll see if anything actually occurs. The one thing that I do know though, is that, uh, Toronto and LA have made deals in consecutive mm-hmm. seasons and they could make it a third year in a row if they can connect on something here between uh, between those two clubs. And if I follows on the market, I think Dubas would be interested in a player like that. 
Yeah. And like you said, they clearly have a good working relationship. And I feel like the trades that both teams have made, I feel like no one's been coming out of them being like, wow, one of these teams got, you know, really taken advantage of. They've been good trades on both sides. So yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see. And maybe you'll end up on Locked on Kings in a couple of weeks uh, (laughs) talking about whoever you send this way. Yeah, Alex Kerfoot, I'll tell you right now, if it (laughs) happens, I think it'll probably be Alex Kerfoot. That's the guy who, uh, you know, the Maple Leafs kind of, they, ha- they haven't said anything, but, you know, if you read between the lines, salary's got to go in, right? It's a dollar in, dollar out type year with everyone so tight to the cap. And he's kind of the one peop- the one player that everyone's kind of circling, saying he's expendable. He's mm-hmm. got some term, and he's got some money allocated to him over the next couple of seasons that I think the Leafs would rather get off the books. And uh, if they can move him in any type of deal that brings in a, a player that could help them now, I think that he's the guy who Toronto will be most likely looking to move. So uh, if they do make one, look at for look for Kerfoot to be the guy who goes out the door. All right. We'll keep an eye on that. We will close with one question. Looking forward to the next couple of weeks of the, the Leafs schedule. You've got a bunch of crucial games coming up against the Oilers and against the Jets who are knocking on the door uh, for your spot in the standings. What is your expectation from the Leafs from the next couple of weeks? And do you think that they finally get back to putting some distance between them and the rest of the division? I do. I still think that the Maple Leafs are the cream of the crop here in the North division. Um, they went on a little bit of a skid here, but it has nothing to do with how they're playing. It is at this point kind of come down to the goaltending. And if they can shore up that goaltending, if, if Jack Campbell can come in and play some effective minutes here for uh, the Maple Leafs and get some wins, I think he's what four and on the year with two mm-hmm. shutouts, like a sub one goals against like he's been, <laughs> he's been unreal. He's been fantastic. So I think they give him a little bit of a run here going forward. Um, and at the very least, uh, if, if it's not, then maybe that gives Anderson a little bit of a, a kick in the pants to get going on his end. And if they can get quality goaltending and if, if the goaltending can steal a couple of games and keep them into in it, you know, this offense is just unbelievable. Another thing actually that I guess has contributed a little bit to this slight slump is the fact that Matthews isn't scoring at a, you know, an unreal rate, like a goal per game rate that he was before. But, you know, he's he's had a wrist injury that he's been mm-hmm. nursing all season long. And as that heals and progresses over this uh, four four day uh, break that they have, I think he starts getting going again. I think that the Maple Leafs will find themselves in the win column a lot more often down the stretch. Well, we will certainly see what happens. It's going to be interesting for everyone going into that trade deadline. Thank you so much for chatting Leafs with me today. Uh, Where can people find you and your show if they want to learn more or if perhaps they too are interested in Alex Kerfoot and want to see what's up? (laughs) Yeah, you can go uh, check my personal Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. I mean, I'm tweeting about hockey and all sports really, but you know, about the entire league. So definitely go follow me on Twitter. I think I'm a decent follow if I do say so myself, but certainly if you are a Leafs fan and you want to hear what's going on in, in Leafs nation on a daily basis, Head over to Locked On Lease, subscribe there. I'll be, uh, well, filling you in on everything that's going on with the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, each and every day like we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right. Thanks so much for chatting and good luck to the Leafs. Thank you so much. Good luck to your Kings too, Sarah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Thank you to all of my guests on today's show. I'll be back next Monday with more of these conversations. You can also hear me on Wednesday with Tom Gazzola here on this very show, Locked on NHL. We have more stuff coming for you all week long, so make sure you listen. 
in tomorrow and every day this week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Right Said Sarah. This show's on Twitter at Locked On NHL Pods. Give us a follow so you can keep up with all the cool stuff happening every day across the Locked On Podcast Network. Come back tomorrow for more hockey talk. And uh, until then, this has been Locked On NHL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.